Good afternoon and welcome to Forest Fires. My name is John Clark. We are all a product of the life that we've lived, the people that we've been exposed to, and the experiences that we've had. The person that we are, or even the person that we want to be, it isn't immune from influence. Whatever we are exposed to regularly and repeatedly, we're susceptible to. And sometimes this is a good thing. If we're surrounded by love, kindness, and emotionally healthy people, it's going to have a positive impact on us. If, on the other hand, we're consistently exposed to toxicity and unhealthy emotions, it can negatively impact us. Think of it this way. Regardless of how strong you may think your immune system is, it's still not a good idea to surround yourself with people that have a contagious disease. Whether we like it or not, what we are exposed to matters, and it will have an impact on who we are, how we think, and on how we deal with and process the circumstances and situations of this life. The power of influence isn't a new concept. As long as there have been people walking this earth, there's been someone somewhere trying to convince someone else to do something. And let's be clear. Influence is neither a good thing nor a bad thing. It's just a reality that we have to become aware of. In some cases, the influences of other people has inspired and motivated people to do great things and to overcome substantial obstacles. But in other cases, influence has led to untold personal loss and entire societal collapses. The power of influence will always exist. But what we must become aware of is whether that influence is one of motivation or of manipulation. As I said earlier, the power of influence, it isn't a new concept. Influence has been employed since the dawn of time, and it doesn't appear to be going anywhere anytime soon. Think about it. People that have large followings on social media platforms, they're often referred to as influencers. Politicians, actors, musicians, and professional athletes, they all have the power of influence, if for no other reason than the number of people that they are consistently exposed to. Influence, be it motivating or manipulating, has the power to dictate the clothes that we wear, the cars that we drive, and the language that we use. Don't believe me? There are words that my 14-year-old daughter and my 11-year-old daughter use that simply didn't exist 10 years ago. And I assure you that neither of those two girls came up with those words themselves. Influence is big business. There's a reason that companies spend billions of dollars on advertising. The reason that they spend this kind of money is because it works. It works and we in turn go out and buy the things that they want us to buy. The advertising industry is simply one that has studied, perfected, and utilized the power of influence. The question isn't whether advertising works. The question is, is it motivating or is it manipulating? 
I would imagine that most companies that advertise their products would like to believe, or at the very least publicly claim, that they are simply motivating people to buy their products, rather than manipulating them into doing so. And I'll leave that answer up to you. At first glance, the difference between motivation and manipulation, it appears clear. I would imagine that most people believe that they can easily tell the difference between the two concepts. Motivation is good, and manipulation is bad, right? The words themselves hold a weight that we can't deny. When I talk about someone that is motivational, an immediate thought of someone that is good and inspirational comes to mind. But when I use the term manipulator, an immediate negative implication comes to mind. We've been socially programmed to see manipulation as bad and motivation as good. But history and personal experience have shown me that the distinction between the two concepts may not be as simple or as clear as we might like it to be. It's been said that when we are manipulating someone, we are using our influence for our benefit. Conversely, when we are motivating someone, we are using our influence for their benefit or for our mutual benefit. Recently, I posted a video on the Forest Fires Facebook page about this topic, and in it, I said, quote, Don't confuse a motivator for a manipulator, or a manipulator for a motivator. A person that seeks to motivate you may very well have a personal reason for doing so. That alone doesn't make it manipulation. It could be a boss that wants you to do better so that the business can grow, a coach that wants you to practice harder so that the team can win more games, or a partner that wants you to be your best so that the relationship can improve. At the core, though, a motivator is first concerned with you and your well-being. A motivator wants you to get better and for you to improve. When you get better, everything that you are connected to improves. A manipulator, on the other hand, only wants what's in their best interest, not yours. If a manipulation can serve you both, so be it. But if the manipulation hurts you, keeps you sick, or does harm to you, well, that's just the collateral damage of them getting what they want. No one that loves you will knowingly motivate you to do something that is unhealthy for you or damaging. No one that loves you will help keep you sick just so they can be sick with you. If that's what's been happening, it's not motivation. It's manipulation. Sadly, many people that we think of as our friends or we think that love us have only their best interests at heart, not ours. A real friend, someone that truly loves you, they'll stand with you through your struggles. They'll remind you of all that is good about you, and they'll motivate you to become the healthiest and best version of yourself. Being able to know the difference between motivation and manipulation, it may be the difference between life and death. End quote. While this was a relatively short video, that was simply intended to bring the distinction between motivation and manipulation to light, the content of the video succinctly sums it up. 
Since I posted that video, I've been overwhelmed with the responses that I've received. People in and out of the recovery community have reached out, they've commented, and they've asked for more information about this subject. But let's be clear, though. I'm no expert on this subject, or any other subject for that matter. I'm just a guy trying to become more aware of the things that influence my behavior and my reactions. This whole topic arose by accident. I was waiting outside of someone's office for a meeting, and I started thumbing through the stack of magazines that were on the table. Now, I assumed that these magazines were relatively recent, but I was sadly mistaken. As luck would have it, I started flipping through a journal on management from January of 2005. Regardless of its age, though, the content that I stumbled across is as relevant today as it was 17 years ago when it was originally published. Now, before there's any confusion, I wasn't particularly interested in learning about management styles or skills, and the only reason that I picked up that magazine is that it had a picture of a pretty cool building on the cover. Beyond that, I have a tendency to get myself into trouble when I'm left unattended. I have some pretty wicked ADD, so the magazine simply helped to keep me occupied and out of trouble. Just so you guys know, I may be 45 years old and have a professional job, but I'm still the guy that opens all the cabinets at the doctor's office just to see what's inside, or has to touch everything when I'm out shopping. Sometimes, I must admit, I'm like an unsupervised nine-year-old that's been freebasing fun dip. But I digress. Back to the matter at hand. In this magazine, I stumbled across an article on the difference in motivational management style and a manipulative management style. In that article, it said, manipulation is thinking of a reason others will want to do something and then convincing them of your correctness. Motivation is genuinely seeking out the wants, needs, and desires of the other party, and then working with that other party to find solutions that meet your needs and theirs. This got me to thinking of managers and employers that I've had over the years, and I realized I've worked with both types. Yet, I'd never thought of their management styles as either motivational or manipulative. It never occurred to me to use these words or these concepts to describe it. Like most of you, I was pretty sure that I knew what motivation and manipulation were. Yet, I'd failed to recognize these things when they were being used. This led me down a rabbit hole of wondering whether I had confused or missed these concepts in other areas of my life. Now that I'd tapped into an interesting concept, my hamster wheel of a brain kicked in, and I started researching and reading other articles on the subject. A dictionary definition of manipulation is simply too broad, in that the word manipulation has lots of different uses and lots of different meanings. However, I did come across one definition that's applicable to the type of manipulation that we're discussing in this podcast. Webster's Dictionary defined manipulation as to control or play upon by artful, unfair, or insidious means, especially to one's own advantage. Likewise, a technical definition of motivation is just as insufficient as one for manipulation, because again, motivation has a lot of different meanings and a lot of different uses. But again, 
Webster's came through and gave me some direction when it explained that motivation is, quote, giving an incentive or a strong desire to do well or succeed in some pursuit, end quote. Interestingly, if you look at the two definitions that I just discussed, the word that pops out to me in the definition of manipulation is control. And the word that rises to the top of the motivation definition is the word give. And that simply may be the difference in the two words and in the two concepts. When I am attempting to manipulate someone, I'm trying to control their actions to get something that I want. But when I'm motivating someone, I'm giving them inspiration for their benefit. I'm giving them something without any benefit to myself necessarily. Manipulation is control, while motivation is a gift. Another article that I ran across explained it this way. Motivation cares about the work and the person, while manipulation only cares about the work. Motivation is fueled by love, while manipulation is driven by pride or fear. Motivation is grounded in substance, while manipulation is grounded in style. Motivation empowers people, while manipulation controls people. Motivation values people, while manipulation devalues people. Motivation fosters loyalty, while manipulation fosters resentment. Let's be very clear here. Each and every one of you, myself included, have all been guilty of manipulating other people. But most of us don't like to think of ourselves as manipulators. I mean, who would? Most of us, though, have at some point in our life, we've employed some pretty powerful manipulative skills. Some of those are making others feel inferior. When we do this, we're creating a situation where we can feel superior to someone else. This protects our fragile ego and makes us feel more confident than we actually are. When we do this, we often ridicule others, we're mean to them or aggressive, or in some cases, we just plain ignore them altogether. All of these tactics are a means of demonstrating our superiority. Any reward for this type of manipulation is generally short-lived because it often leads to a loss of respect from anyone that happens to be paying any attention to us. Another form of manipulation that many of us have used is emotional bribery. Have you ever promised or implied that you would support someone else or give them something if they did what it is that you wanted them to do? If so, you're probably guilty of emotional bribery and in turn, guilty of manipulation. Just like with superiority, you might get a short-term advantage, but it isn't likely to last. Sooner or later, emotional bribery tends to alienate us from the people that really do love us and who really do want to help us. Another tried and true tool of the manipulator, one that I myself have used and perhaps you have used as well, is dishonesty. It's sadly one of the most common uses of manipulation that's ever been. When you purposely omit facts or provide only partial facts to distort the truth of a situation, you aren't giving the other person all of the information they need to make an informed decision. Thus, you're manipulating them. 
When you do this purposely, you're attempting to control their response. Whether you want to admit it or not, this type of behavior is deceptive, it's manipulative, and it's controlling. While dishonesty can avoid an immediate problem, it usually leads to bigger problems down the road. Not to mention that once your deception has been discovered, everything that you say thereafter is subject to increased scrutiny and you are looked at as being generally untrustworthy. Another tool of manipulation that we like to use is playing the victim. We all know that person that is constantly the victim of another person, a partner, a government, a circumstance, or a situation in life itself. Claiming to be a victim is a means to manipulate the kindness and benevolence of other people. We use it to make other people feel sorry for us. Each and every one of us have been victimized by something at some point in our life, but we are not always a victim. When you constantly claim to be a victim, it's like the boy who cried wolf. One day, a real situation is going to arise, and you really will be a victim, and you really will need help. But sadly for many of us, in those moments because of our past behavior, there won't be anyone there to help us. I know for a fact that during my active addiction, I was quite skilled at manipulation. Much like the definitions above explained, my manipulation was based in fear and on a need to control what other people thought of me or how they reacted. Every lie that I told was a manipulation. Every time that I apologized and every time that I failed to change my behavior to match that apology, it was a manipulation. In my recovery, I've become less fearful of other people's reactions in part because I have far less to hide from today than I did back then. Getting sober didn't change the fact that I have an opinion or that I like getting my way. When I see certain situations or circumstances, like everyone else, I have an opinion on how someone should respond or how they should react. The difference is I no longer try and manipulate that response. I don't lie to them to get what it is that I want. In the alternative, I try and motivate the people in my life to make the healthiest and most beneficial choices that they can for themselves. When I do this, I've learned that I reap the benefits far more than I ever did when I was trying to manipulate people. When we work in a team environment or a work environment, everyone benefits when goals are met and objectives are reached. Instead of seeking self-serving gains, when we motivate our peers, employees, teammates, or coworkers, the collective whole does better, and in turn, we do better. Now, none of this is suggested to mean that you can't have your own goals, and that you can't work to meet those goals, or that your hard work should be created to help someone else. What it means is that if others are involved in the pursuit of a similar goal, Manipulating them to get what it is that you want is a recipe for long-term disaster. Think back on some of the worst bosses, leaders, or coaches that you've ever had the misfortune of working with. What was your primary objection to them? Did they care about you or just the bottom line or just the win? The sad and frustrating reality 
is that manipulation works, but it doesn't work forever. A manipulator must constantly be looking for new and different ways to manipulate other people because eventually people catch on to the old ways. The long and short of it is this. If you succeed in manipulating someone, you win for a moment. You get what you want in that moment, but eventually the person that was manipulated figures it all out and instead of gratitude, they develop resentment. Manipulation can win the immediate battle in front of you, but with it, you risk losing the war. To boil it down as simply as I know how to, I think the real difference between motivation and manipulation is love. When I am motivating someone, I am showing them that they are loved and worthy of the best that their efforts and the world has to offer them. When I do this, I, the company, the employer, the team, or the community, they get the best that that person can give us. Not because we want it or we deserve it, but because they choose to give it to us. When I'm manipulating someone, I'm simply saying that I love myself far more than I do anyone else, and that whatever happens to them is irrelevant. Remember, there's a difference between self-love and selfish love. Self-love is a good thing, and we should all try and love ourselves despite our faults and our failures. We should try to find the best parts of ourselves and celebrate them. But selfish love is isolating and self-serving. It allows the means to justify the ends, and it permits us to use other people to get what it is that we want or what we think we want. As mentioned earlier in this podcast, manipulation is often rooted in fear. Any good leader will tell you that you can lead through fear for only so long. Eventually, fear loses its motivating power, and you have to come up with new things to scare your followers with. Don't believe me? Turn the news on on just about any given day and find the fear of the day that's being peddled to the masses. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't things to be scared of in the world. But good manipulators, those that have some longevity in their manipulative talents, they've found a way to weaponize our fears against us and to show us monsters where only shadows exist. Good leaders, sustainable leaders, and leaders that we look back on and call mentors are those that inspire others to become leaders. They motivate rather than manipulate. In recovery, we are taught to check our motives, and despite having some time under my belt, it's still something that I have to work on just about every day. I was once told that I have a hero complex, that I like to ride in on the white horse and wear the white hat and save other people. And in the past, I believed that this was true, because I wanted that other person that I had helped to owe me. My helping actions were far from altruistic, and almost subconsciously, I used their gratitude as a means to keep them connected to me. If they credited me with something good that had taken place in their life, how could they ever turn against me? But I'm not that person anymore, though. For the past six and a half years, I have worked to put that old version of me to rest. After all of the growth, 
after all of the healing and after all of the self-awareness, I still have to remember that I have the potential to manipulate rather than motivate. Almost every time that I want to do something for someone else, I have to go through the motive behind my action. Am I being thoughtful and considerate? Is it altruistic? Do I have an ulterior motive that isn't concerned with the well-being of that other person? Or am I doing it because I hope to get something in return? The tenth step contained within the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is about as good a guide as I have ever found for checking our motives. Beyond that, though, if you still need some help deciding if you are being motivating or manipulating, ask yourself the following questions. Number one, how does what I'm asking this person to do align with his or her goals, his or her wants, his or her needs, or his or her desires? Number two, how does what I want this other person to do align with his or her values or their morals? Number three, what problems am I helping him or her to solve? And number four, will my action or suggestion add value to this other person's life? This is a good list to refer back to as well if you're trying to decide if someone is motivating or manipulating you. The answers are usually far more clear than we like them to be, and the truth behind the intent is rarely very well hidden. The goal for each of us should be to become more consistent and more caring motivators, and to listen more to those that seek to motivate us and to less of those that seek to manipulate us. Being a positive motivator or being able to discern between healthy motivation and unhealthy manipulation, it requires work. And it's going to require you to get honest, not only about your own behaviors, but about the behaviors that those that claim to care about you. For recovery to work the way that it's intended to, for us to become the healthiest versions of ourself, and for us to build a community that we need, we have to lift others up, and we have to help them build themselves up. What we can easily see throughout all of this is that when we build others up to be strong, healthy, and vibrant individuals, the entire community of people that surrounds them improves. In the long run, motivation is a far better and far more sustainable means to get out of this life what it is that you want. Thank you for tuning into Forest Fires. Thank you for continuing to support me and the message that this podcast contains. Today, Focus on being a positive, uplifting, and motivating member of every community that you're a part of. Remember, your recovery may be the only one that another person ever sees. If that's the case, what does your recovery look like? Are you proud of it? Would it make someone else want it? Or would it scare them away? Be true to yourself today. Be courageous and be kind. And as always... Stay reachable, stay teachable, and stay humble. Thank you.